You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. It's 174 episodes later in the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast, and no, I'm not counting last week's pitiful excuse for an episode as a real episode. If you did not listen to the four-minute episode last week, then shame on you. You're missing radio history. Basically, I was out of town and forgot to grab my laptop, and I did not have my equipment, and therefore I recorded a very, very... Uh, I, don't even, I don't even know what to call it. Entertaining four minutes of radio. So... I am back, I have my equipment, and I am just rip-raring to go, people. Thank you to GameMat.eu for supporting the show, and thank you to my Patreon patrons for supporting the show. Man, what would I do without you guys? Greatly appreciated. We have, speaking of Patreon patrons, we have Grendel right in tonight asking what my opinion of Caradron Overlords is, and how can he be competitive at Shorehammer next year? Which, of course, he's probably the wrong person to ask. And... What else? We're talking about the War Boss in Mega Armor for the new 40k set. And we are also talking about the very peculiar decision of Games Workshop to reprint one of their worst starter sets in history as a, you know, click to order, what's it called? Buy to order, made to order, whatever. I don't care. The point is is it's very odd. And we go through exactly what their rationale for this must be and what it must not be, because there's a lot of people saying a lot of things online um, about this whole starter set, and is it a good deal, is it not, blah, 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 why are they doing this, and the crying, gnashing of the teeth, whatever. So we discuss that. Um, what have I been up to? Well, of course, the holiday season is busy for the old Pimpcron, but I had a good holiday, and I got... What did I get? You know, I, this is the first Christmas I didn't get any Warhammer for Christmas. I usually don't get much, but I usually get something for Warhammer. But I actually did get some spaceships for my new Brutal Space game, for my new Brutality... It's hard to call it a supplement because it's a whole new game, but it's basically the same game, but it's not. So, does that point you in the right direction? Point is, is that I am pretty excited about that so i got some federation star docks i got a klingon star base i got some shuttles shuttlecrafts um just things like that and i wanted that stuff for christmas and i got it so you know i know it sounds boring but that's what i wanted so what else so i played my friend matt in brutality today and we gee what happened i was losing the entire game on the first game we played regular brutality and i ended up pulling it out in the very last turn i think it was seven to six i beat him but it was very very close then the second game we played was brutal space we're still play testing that and all that i played my federation versus his i don't think he really has an army name for his made-up faction but um against him and he had a bunch of smaller ships, and I had just a few larger ships that were carriers. They were sending off shuttles and things like that. And I had one ship that was a artillery battery, basically. It, it was three ordnance modules. So in other words, it gets six ordnance blast shots. And 
it didn't do as well as I'd hoped because he was able to mess up its systems and he hacked it and whatnot. So the, the computer was went awry for a little while and whatnot. But, so I did miss an entire turn, to be honest. But when it did fire, it set off such a chain reaction, it was hilarious. We had kind of a parking lot going on where I had a shuttle, I had a ship, I had the ship that was shooting, and then he had four other ships there. And when these ships blow up, you roll, uh, when they are destroyed, for each module they are, you roll a d10. On a 1 or a 10, they explode. They deal one damage unsavable to every ship within six inches. Because these are like, you know, huge dilithium cores or whatever, and they do a lot of damage. And I got my shuttle out of the way real quick, and then I fired. And I shot his one ship and exploded that ship, which, of course killed uh no actually i killed two ships with those shots because the explosion and then both of them exploded dealing damage to nearby ships and one of them got enough damage to also explode and it exploded and damaged other ships and then some of those ships exploded uh it was ridiculous i scored f <laughs> this this one ordnance ship scored me five points in a turn. Five points. Because it destroyed five modules. Now, it also did destroy one of my own ships, and it crippled another one, but boy was it worth it. It was it was a hilarious chain reaction that went off. And at the end of the game, we actually tied 6-6, six to six because he only had one ship left, I had one ship that was horribly crippled, and another ship that just couldn't scan any of the objectives. So that was... Really fun, to be honest with you. I really enjoyed it, and so did he. So I'm working on that. I'm still writing short stories. I'm almost done another short story for Brutality. I'm going to do this short story anthology. Still working on the... Oh, I actually started working on the Career Supplement, which I'm really excited about. Um, it's got a lot of new deployment options, and you know how your characters level up in Brutality and they get better? Well, now, finally, your Warband as a whole can develop in its career path of either murder, coin, or adventure. So it is pretty cool. I've also been doing quite a bit of hobbying. I finished a... I completely sculpted and finished an entire Looney, band, Looney Tunes warband like uh, two weeks ago. And I don't know if I mentioned that on the podcast or not, but um, they look pretty good. They look pretty darn good. My sculpting's getting better. And um, it's Taz, Tweety Bird, Lola Bunny, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck and Porky the Pig, and they all have their own different takes, like Porky the Pig's missing his arm and a leg, and they're cybernetic, and things like that. Um, it's, it's Sometimes I like to just make goofy ones, but most of Brutality is actually very serious, but I finished that, and then I painted and finished my Predator Warband, which I'm really proud of how that came out. I, I did multiple weird combinations of p base coats and washes to make these like weird alien skins, like, have you ever taken uh, rat skin flesh, which is like a very orange color, and then wash it with purple? I've never done that before, but it gives it a very interesting tan color. Um, have you ever taken green, like wa flesh, and washed it purple? Once again, very odd color scheme for it. But it did all turn out really well, so I'm happy for that Predator Warband. And I also finished a Merchant Warband that I've had kicking around for at least a year, if not two years. And I'm very proud that I finished all of them. So, um, 
it's just really cool. I've got a locust that's a uh, cart that is being pulled by this giant lobotomized, like, it's actually a Hulk miniature. And um, I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. I don't, I don't know. Every day is the same for me. Um, but it's a lobotomized Hulk figure. He's pulling the cart, and there's this really rich lizard riding on the back of it with all of his gear. It's, it's just really cool. Um, I like to always take, like, a darker tone with things for brutality, and that's a lot of fun. So, um, I also played Brutality with Connor this past week at our gaming club, and I'm trying to think of how that went. I think he beat me decisively. I think it was by three or four points he beat me. And then we played the Living Lair from the new, um, the new Narrative Missions module, and we rolled so darn good. I can't even begin to tell you how good we rolled. So unfortunately, it wasn't very hard. We played it first on easy, and then the second time we played it on medium. And both times we were rolling just, I mean, critical saves left and right. I couldn't roll garbage for the character, the the monster. The monster would charge in with three attacks, you know, with a 70% chance to hit and all this. Miss them all. Just just not hit a single thing. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> like, and then when it goes to, to hurt him, oh, I just, I fail all my saves. It's no big deal. So it was, it was pretty rough. It really was. Um, but it was fun and I was chilling with my homies. As far as Warhammer goes, I did have James come over the other day and he played Primaris Space Marines. Um, I don't remember what he was playing. Oh, he's playing Salamanders. He was playing Salamanders and I was playing my Necrons and I just took a bunch of, uh, Actually, it was a ranged list that I already had made up. It's a bunch of destroyers, two annihilation barges. It's six destroyers, two annihilation barges, a catacomb command barge, and a doomsday arc and a doom scythe. So all of that, I mean, I tabled him by the end of turn two. I mean, maybe it was sometime into turn three. We did not go to turn four because it was it was over. Um, and I, I was, it was 40 something. (laughs) I think we went to third. I think we went through the third turn at the end of the third turn. It was 40 something to five is how bad it was. It was very bad. I also had three scarabs in there just for good measure. But, uh, anyway, it was, it was very crazy. I just so happened to accidentally bring the list that was basically the anti his list list. And who would know that, you know? Uh, we both literally just grabbed lists and threw them together. We had no intention, n- no real thought behind any of them. My whole list was, oh, let's take a bunch of things that shoot. And that's what it was. So he took a bunch of foot slogging Marines, unfortunately for him. And I was able to, he took two demolishers and they didn't do a whole lot. I was able to kill one like in the first or second turn. And the other one was pretty well crippled. So, but anyway. Oh, oh, I also had a Satan. I also had a Satan. And the Nightbringer, oh boy, did he do some work. He he put in some serious work. He survived to the entire game. So, anyway, well, that is about it for me. So, I apologize for missing last week. And uh, that won't happen again anytime soon, I don't think. So, let's get on with the show. Thanks for listening. Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. Hey, this is uh, Tesseract Mailbox, and we have an email at pimpcron at gmail.com with two Ps from our Patreon patron, Grendel, who we always love to hear from. He writes, Halo Glorious Overload. 
uh, I don't know if that meant, I don't know if that was meant to be Overlord or it says Overlord, but whatever. It is just your lowly cryptech writing to you with the question, since you are the master of the airborne little people and rule over all things Shorehammer, I wonder if you could find the time to enlighten me with your wisdom on forming a list that would be competitive next year in the Age of Sigmar tournament being held at the awesomeness that is Shorehammer. I know the tournament is not the standard affair with special rules, unusual objectives, and sneaky tricks that need to be taken into consideration. Do you have any advice for your lowly servant so that he may hold his head high with victory and not wallow in the shame of defeat? Your humble servant, Grendel. Well, first off, thank you for writing in, Grendel. I greatly appreciate it. You can reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron with one P. And to be honest with you, I can't really answer that question, Mr. Grendel. I hate to be this way, but the Grendel and I have been speaking uh, privately. And he's getting into Caradron Overlords, which is fantastic. It's one of my very favorite Age of Sigmar factions for me to play. I really, truly think that they got the power curve done very well with Caradron Overlords. They're highly mobile. They're fairly durable. They've got quite a bit of punch, but it does take a bit of using them properly for them to work. If you get them stuck in in the wrong way, then they are seriously going to have a hard time. So... As far as actual meta of the Age of Sigmar tournament at Shorehammer, it is more or less a normal tournament for Age of Sigmar, which I know does not help you. You're new to Caradron Overlords and new to Age of Sigmar. But, well, you're semi-new to Age of Sigmar. But the point is, is that the tournament is basically your run-of-the-mill tournament. I think uh, we only allow two behemoths. Most of them at that, at that level include three. But other than that... Um, I have discussed with you in private that I don't know where frigates really stand. I don't see a role for frigates. As far as the Caradron Overlords go, they have the three different ships. They have the gun haulers, which are the little ones. They can be turned into battle line with some of their factions. Then they've got the medium-sized ones, which are frigates, which can also be turned into battle line with another faction. And then they've got their large ones, the, beh the behemoths, called the ironclads. The Ironclads are very, very helpful. They're a great support. You garrison them like you do a piece of terrain. They are. They have a lot of firepower. They've got 14 wounds or something. They've got a lot of hit points, which is nice. And um, they definitely have a role. Well, everything that the Frigate does, the Ironclad obviously does better or more. It shoots more, it does more damage, it holds more people, it's got more wounds, etc., etc. Now, obviously, you're paying points for that, but it is just everything is better. Um, I don't, I have not looked at the points recently, but in the past, I always saw that the, the behemoth, the ironclad, was more worth the points than the frigate was. And then, I like to run basically an all-ship army, so I've got a bunch of gun haulers, and I always take the uh, Urbaz, I think... I forget what faction it is that takes um, the gun haulers, which are the small ships, as battle line. And the gunships have a great utility because they're battle line and also because they have most of the frigates damage output and most of the frigates durability, but not all of it. But I remember in the past, unless they've changed the points significantly, which is very likely, that the gun haulers were a better economic choice as far as their points versus their damage output, etc., and being behemoths. I mean, um, battle line. So, plus, you can take multiple of them instead of, 
one or two frigates as battle line, you might be able to take four gun haulers or something of that nature. And just that mobility of being able to pull up and drop down anywhere else on the board is super helpful. Um, the biggest thing that I like to do with Age of Sigmar and Caradron Overlords is nine times out of ten, if I do a distinctive victory on an opponent, it's because I focused everything on his buffing units. So if he's got several characters, then, you know, the Lookout Sir in Age of Sigmar is minus one to hit. It's not actually a Lookout Sir like it is in, in 40k. So you you can snipe out their characters pretty darn easily with your cannons. And then all of a sudden, everything starts crumbling. They don't have the magic support they were depending on. They don't have their command abilities they were depending on or whatever. And that is a big, big deal. And you will see them starting to panic. And panicking, everyone loves to underestimate the whole psychological factor in wargaming or anything. But panic is fantastic to elicit in your enemy. This is what I said before about a lot of players love to think ahead of the game and then they don't adapt very well. And they're, oh, this is going to happen and then I'm going to do this and then he's going to do that. And then when you change it up on them drastically or something else happens, they're like, oh, dear Lord, I did not think of that. And then they start making mistakes. They start shooting from the hip and that sort of thing. So the minute they're like, oh, well, my hero, I'm going to keep him behind the front lines and he's going to do this and he's going to do that, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden their hero is a smoking crater they go, oh, dear Lord, and then they start messing up, they start making mistakes and whatnot. So, um, I do think Caradron Overlords is still a good army in Age of Sigmar. I think it's aged pretty well. It did come out of the gate pretty powerful, but I think it's weakened, and it's probably middle of the pack, maybe the upper third, something like that. I have not looked at tournament standings, but as far as an actual list-building strategy, that is my personal opinion. I'm not the world's best Caradron Overlord player, although I do find them fairly easy to win with. So, there's that, of course. Anyway, I hope this was some sort of help to you. And, of course, who knows by the next Shorehammer, you might have a new Caradron Overlord's Codex, although I kind of doubt it because they certainly don't need it. But you may. Or the points might have changed drastically, which they may have already. I haven't played Caradron since the summer. And it's, what, January now. So it's been probably four to six months since I played it. And um, I don't know what points changes have been made. So anyway, hopefully this was somewhat helpful to you. And thank you for writing in. I will see you on the other side of this music. Want that or want that not? In this edition of Want That or Want That Not, I am covering the new War Boss in Mega Armor for Warhammer 40k. It's a $35 model, which is pretty run-of-the-mill for new characters. It's a bit high for one single model, but what do you do, right? It is monopose. I suppose you could do a lot of hacking to make it not monopose, but it is one, one pose. It is... Kind of funny to me. This whole thing is kind of funny to me. And the reason why is because they have had to jump through hoops. And you can't blame them, people, okay? Don't don't think that I'm hating on GW because they are a business. They do need to make money. I just think it's humorous when it is kind of obvious what they're doing and what their scheme is. So remember all of the Mega Knobs, you know, have the Mega Armor. And they redid that kit a couple years ago, probably five years ago at this juncture. 
And then the Mega Knob Warboss went to, into the Legends. And they're like, oh, nope, no Mega Knob Warboss. Sorry, that's no longer a thing you can take. So whatever happened, I don't know what. I don't think they even sold a Mega Knob in uh, Warboss and Mega Armor. I don't think. Whenever I had one, I always used my Gaz Skull and I took the horns off him and the banner. And that's just what I used for uh, Warboss and Mega Armor, the old Metal Gaz Skull. So I don't know that they actually had a model for it, but they got rid of it. And everybody that was clearly using War Bosses and Mega Armor had some sort of model, right? So they get rid of that, and you're thinking, oh, they announce a new War Boss and Mega Armor. That's pretty cool. I'm glad I can finally use my War Boss and Mega Armor before uh, that, that I was using before. Because, of course, he's going to be in Mega Armor, and he's going to have the Power Claw, which is what all Mega Armor things have, is they have the Power Claw on one arm, and then they have the Combi Shooter on the other side. So that's pretty cool. You know, I've, I can use my old model again. Well, then they come out with the actual model, and there is no option for the Power Claw or the Combi Shooter at all. They are so dead set on you not being able to use the, your old model that they have changed it to a big choppa now. I'm sorry, an ooge choppa. It's a very large choppa, and it is in no way a power claw. And instead of a custom shooter, or whatever it was called, the, the combi shooter, now they have a uh, big shooter up top, which is technically better, but you're missing my point. The big shooter is operated by a grot, which is also better because of higher ballistic skill, but you're also missing my point. Shh, 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 shh. Okay. Just bear with me. I think it's funny that they say for several years, oh, you can't use the War Boss and Mega Armor, and then they turn around and make a new War Boss and Mega Armor, and then, oh, wait, now they don't include the Claw, they don't include the Combi Shooters, they don't include any of the stuff that the new one has. And the old one also would have been at BS5, and now this is BS4 because it's got a Grout Gunner. Pretty funny to me. It really is. Um, now, is this a bad model? Not at all. Actually, I kind of like it. It's showing way more skin and way more cloth than the old one. And I do like it. I, I like the pose on it. I actually like the idea of having a grot gunner on top. It's cute when they have like a little, you know, companion. I like that. Um, I really have no other qualms about this. I think it's a great model. And they've painted it beautifully on the website and... There's really no complaints at all from me about this, except that it's very obvious what their goal was in making sure you can't use your old models, which is kind of funny. Like I said, I'm not hating on them. $35 for this is totally fine, and the model is better than average, I would say. I give it a B, so that would be a want that for me. Um, I already have a Warboss and Mega Armor, so, I mean, tough noogies, but... This is a want that for me. Not bad at all. Good model. Just think it's funny when they're obvious about stuff. Let's get on to the next segment. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Everybody, this is Real Talk with the Pentcron, and today I am just baffled. That's right, baffled, my friends. They have put the, and of course they as GW, has put the 3rd edition starter set up for sale as made to order. So you can order it if you want. You don't have to. They're not going to keep a stock of it. For $100. 
And if you recall, the third edition starter set, this is before my time, but I own many, many models from the set because of after the fact. But it includes 20 Cabalite Warriors and 10 Space Marines and a Land Speeder. Hey, you know what? That's pretty cool. It's about $125 or $130 value for 100 bucks. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Well, there's a couple problems with it. Number one... Uh, I can't find the original price of the 3rd edition starter set. I'm willing to bet it was around $60 to $75. And it included the rulebook and the templates and all that stuff. But it also included some jungle terrain. And it also included um, some uh, ruins and buildings and things like that. Yeah, I'm looking at an image of it right here. It came with the swizzle sticks. Remember those old from the sets? It comes with two corners for ruins, a tank trap. It comes with all the templates, and it comes with some jungle terrain, which was kind of cool, you know? For a starter set, that's not too bad. The problem is, number one... Well, actually, there's several problems with this. Number one, the problem is, is this one was one of the most one-sided starter sets ever made. The Space Marines were way outgunning the Cabalite Warriors, and even to this day, they way outgun the Cabalite Warriors. Now, yes, you'll be getting 40 shots, wound on fours, whatever, but the Space Marines are two wounds, and they come with a freaking Land Speeder. I might have said Land Raider earlier, but I meant Land Speeder. And the Land Speeder alone, the Dark Eldar in this set, have nothing to take care of that Land Speeder at all. They're going to be wounding it on sixes. And um, the Space Marines, in the meantime, are just going to be shredding the Dark Eldar. So this was one of the worst and most lopsided starter sets that they ever created. I truly don't know why they chose these this route for that starter set. But the point is, is that if you want it, you can buy it for the low, low price of $100. My problems with it, uh, in addition to it being super one-sided and stupid as a starter set, but also it's not even the current models for Dark Eldar. Of course, it's the Firstborn or Trueborn or Firstborn. The Firstborn non-Primaris Marines, which is, you know, they're still they're still current. And it's Land Speeder, which is still current. But the Dark Eldar, they're horrible models. There's a reason why they all got a redo. That was during the days of the old witches looking weird, all goofy-faced, and the, um, the Scorpion, uh, I'm gonna forget what it's called. The Talos and Kronos Pain Engines. Remember, it was a giant scorpion. And just, just everything was awful. The only, actually, you know what? Uh, two years ago, I covered this exact era of miniatures with the Dark Eldar. And I came to the conclusion the only model that was worth keeping was the Archon. Because he had a helmet that was really cool. He had a big leg claw. And his helmet had someone's face skin stretched over it. It was very, very cool looking. Very macabre. Um, other than that, there's no surprise that all of these got redone, and for good reason. Another problem that I have with it is that it's not even a very good discount, even by modern standards. Not only are you buying horrible Cabalite Warriors that no one's ever going to want to field, but also it's like $25, $30 off. It's really not worth it, and it doesn't even come with the terrain. So the terrain, you know what, if this was 100 bucks and it came with the ruins, and it came with the jungle pieces and all that... I'd be like, you know, that's fine, I guess, because that, that terrain is out of print. They haven't made it in a long time, since 3rd edition, and those jungle things are long out of print. It comes with like three or four jungle trees. 
But the point is, is that that might actually give it some value and be worth taking. But that's not even included in this new set that's made to order. So then I have to ask myself, why on earth are they even doing this? And there's a couple possibilities. The first possibility is that when I look on eBay, a third edition starter set goes for like $250 if it's complete. It doesn't even have to be unassembled. It's like $250. Um, I've, I saw one for 400 which I doubt will sell, but the point is, is it's possible they're trying to cut in on the secondary market just in general, like a warning shot salvo across their, their bow so that they go, hey, listen, stop, you know, the increased prices for our stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, that was my knee-jerk reaction, but I truly don't think that is the situation because, number one, there are tons of newer, better sets they could be doing that with, right? They could do that with the newest version of Space Hulk, which came out, what, eight years ago? Um, that goes for a ton of money um, on the secondary market because it's been out of print for a long time. The one with the really cool Blood Angel Terminators, like ripping the skull and spine out of the uh, Gene Stealer and, and the dead guy on the throne. I mean, there's, there's lots of awesome models there. Um, but that goes for a lot of money, you know, 200 bucks or more on eBay. So they could easily reprint that game and it would be way better seller than this old set. And it's not even a one for one. I could see if they were repackaging it exactly like the third edition set with the old rule book for no reason and the swizzle sticks and all of that stuff, but, and the terrain, but they're not even doing that. So it's really not even a one for one. So it really is no competition with the secondary market. And Obviously, the secondary market for this old starter set is like no competition to them at all. At this point, it's practically the antique trade. Like it's it's so old that they're not making any money off that starter set anyway. And they're out of print miniatures. So it's not even like it's the new miniatures they're missing money on. So it really does puzzle me why exactly they've decided to do this. Do you realize that reprinting Assault on Black Reach would be a million times more popular like just a million times. And I can't recall, was fourth edition, that was the McCrag box set. Yes, it was. Uh, Blackreach was fifth edition, which is when I got into it, it was fifth edition. But I also have McCrag. Uh, McCrag would be way more popular with the crashed uh, Aquila ship and all that. Like that was, that was really cool. Um, but so I guess the only thing I can do is make an educated guess why on earth they would make this very odd design decision because their production cycle is already just ridiculous. So do they really need to add anything else to their schedule that's not going to sell well at all with outdated models and not even true competition to the things that are being sold on the secondary market? Uh, no, I don't think they have to do that. So the only thing I can think of is that, objectively, they probably still have these molds from way back that win, and they're like, hey you know what, maybe we've got a few extra machines that can do the casting of it, the injection molding and whatnot. What if we just, you know, throw this on the list and if a couple people want them, we make a couple and we're just making money off of whatever. At this juncture, they're they're not going to make any new molds of this. So whatever money they've already invested in the R&D and the production of those molds is already a sunk cost. So, oh, I don't know. I mean, if this if this old mold could be you know, could make them a couple more $10,000 or something. Well, you know, I, I guess why not, right? But it, I think it does not go any deeper than that because I can't logically find any reason why or how it would go deeper than that. 
So I've heard a lot of speculation about, oh, trying to kill the, the secondary market, which, like I said, I initially thought too. But I really think it's just one of those things that were like, hey, you know, if you want to be nostalgic, here's here's nostalgia. And that's that's it, I guess. Now, I'm interested to see if eventually they do do the McCrag set or they do do the uh, Assault on Black Reach or I can't even remember the sixth edition set. It was the one with the Chaos, the Crimson Slaughter and Dark Angels, Dark Vengeance set. Yeah, the Dark Vengeance set um, is kind of still in circulation in a lot of ways. But the point is, is that this is kind of mind boggling. I guess it's just a throw your hands up in the air sort of thing. And sure, let's let's throw it at the wall and see if it sticks, which I I would bet you a hundred dollars. It will not stick uh, financially compared to other things that they could have been doing, such as fourth edition, fifth edition, all of that with still current models. I mean, even the Termagants that were in McCrag are still current Termagants, you know? So that is my two cents on it. Totally puzzled by it until I kind of walked it through. Thank you to GameAt.eu for supporting the show, and thank you to my beautiful, sexy, good-smelling, totally effable Patreon patrons. I greatly appreciate your support. I will see you next week.